This episode is brought to you by ProMensal. Because when you work with women of these ages, they're tired, they're run down, their tummy's not working very well, they're not going to the bathroom frequently. So that, when you work on their baseline diet to get all of those important nutrients in, suddenly they feel better. Welcome to Thriving in Menopause, brought to you by Prevention Magazine. I'm Andrea Duval, the editor of Prevention, and with me today is dietitian Susie Burrell, who you may know from her regular media appearances, and she's also the presenter of her own podcast series, The Nutrition Couch. Welcome, Susie. So nice to be here. I love this. So professional in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with the burning question. Why is it that women gain weight during perimenopause? It's a really challenging time, I think, for a number of reasons. One life for this age group is so busy. You know, you're juggling a million things and often your time is not your own if it's your partner or your children or your work taking it. So we often don't have that freedom to spend hours in the gym. So we're often also then grabbing food on the go. Now we do know that foods that we pick up on the run tend to be much, much higher in calories. They tend to be higher in processed carbohydrates. And often we're just not burning as efficiently as we did in our 20s and 30s. We also tend to lose a little bit of muscle mass as we age, particularly if you don't have time in the gym actively doing resistance training, which is a a privilege or a bonus for many of us when we're so time poor to be able to go and do that kind of training. And then on top of that, of course, Andrea, the hormones aren't overly kind to us as we get older. We gradually reduce our levels of estrogen in line with the change towards menopause, and that can be 10 years before menopause. And that kind of protects us a little bit against weight gain, particularly around that abdominal area. And then if you're predisposed to having sugar, glucose regulation issues, or or insulin issues, they can kind of kick off at that time as a result of weight gain, hormones not working as efficiently, and eating a more processed carbohydrate diet. So there's a number of factors working against us, and that may explain why suddenly, you know, things are a little bit tight around the middle, even though you're eating pretty much the same as you have done for quite some time. And it also seems to go to the belly in a way that it never did before, you know. I mean, I was always a hip and thigh kind of weight person and suddenly it's a male pattern. It definitely, the, the predictive or where uh, the weight will deposit as we move into those 40s and 50s because estrogen levels reduce, which kind of protects against weight gain in that area, suddenly, one, as that reduces, we're more likely to gain around the middle. Two, if your insulin is not working efficiently, that will naturally store more around the middle in line with a high carbohydrate, more refined diet, because that will be pushing insulin levels higher over time. And unfortunately, then more likely to gain around that tummy. So certainly, I'll speak to women and, and even more so than their weight, I'm interested in their waist measurement. And, you know, yesterday in clinic, for example, I would have spoken to 10, 15 women in these age categories and most of them over 90 centimetres around the waist. And if you think back to what our grandmothers were, you know, they had 60 centimetre waists, you know, so gradually we're getting larger in general. So I really try and get my clients below 80 centimetres on the waist. And then as soon as they're more than, say, 100, um, I'm very suspicious that their insulin's not working well and may need further intervention medically. Um, and then some a really common feedback actually around that waist is that my ladies will say to me, is it my real waist or where my waist is? Because some of us will have quite a high waist, which is still relatively small, but we carry weight that kind of lower level perhaps. So I sort of get two measurements then. I get the upper waist and then the lower one. And certainly it's where you're storing weight is that one we want to keep below 80 where possible. It's a part of our psyche, isn't it, when that happens to think, oh, I have to go on a diet and start restricting our eating. 
tell me what you think of dieting. Oh, it's complicated. <laughs> you know, so much of diet culture is programmed over the last 20, 30, 40 years where diets will always mean restriction. I like the term diet. I'm a dietitian, so I specialize in diets, but, but I think it's redefining what a diet is. And a diet is just the way we eat. So if the diet doesn't feel good or isn't sustainable, it's not the right diet for you because all diets will work, whether they're fasting diets, whether it's paleo, keto, lemon detox, they all work, but they're not sustainable. People can't do them long term. So that's likely not the right diet for you, whereas the right diet will be achieving the goals you have for yourself and be sustainable. And that's, again, the benefit of working with dietitians is that we work hard to create dietary plans and patterns that we hope our clients will follow forever and it's in line with their goals. And we'll include things like their wine and their chocolate and the foods they enjoy, but also then balance it so they can achieve the various goals, which may indeed be weight loss. I wonder whether it's perhaps more useful to think about is what um, what foods we need to put in more than what we take out. A hundred percent. You know, when I speak to clients, they're always saying, I've had a, you know, I've off track and I've eaten too much. And they're always focusing on what they're doing wrong. Whereas I like to, as you've described, focus on the foundation and the foundation, the simplest diet trick of all, which we'll all benefit from if you just eat more fresh fruit and vegetables, so we want seven to 10 serves of vegetables per day. That's a lot. That's two to three cups at lunch and dinner. I guarantee no one does that. As soon as you do that, you're fuller, your calorie load is reduced. And so you don't eat as much of the other stuff. So it's the easiest diet to do, but no one will buy a diet that's called just eat more vegetables. So, you know, that's, that's a really key part of it. It's about focusing on the good stuff. We'll be right back after this. Perimenopause can actually start in your 40s. Declining estrogen production during perimenopause brings on changes to menstrual cycles and often the onset of hot flushes, night sweats, mood swings and sexual problems. Promensal Peri is specifically designed for perimenopausal women and can help relieve these common menopausal symptoms. Promensal Perry is available at leading pharmacies across Australia and offers a cost-effective treatment at under $1 a day. When things start to change, try Promensal Perry. Always read the label and follow the directions for use. Okay, we're back. because when you work with women of these ages, they're tired, they're run down, their tummy's not working very well, they're not going to the bathroom frequently. So that when you work on their baseline diet to get all of those important nutrients in, suddenly they feel better. And when you feel better, it's easier to take on the stress of the day, it's easier to feel like going for a walk. And so it's the foundation we're working on generally to build that and, again, something that's sustainable. Okay, I'd love to unpack that with you a little bit. What sort of food specifically do women at midlife need to focus on? We've spoken about veggies. The vegetables, but- certainly. So we want the good fats going in. They're naturally anti-inflammatory. So we want three to four serves of good fats each day, the extra virgin olive oil, nuts, seeds, um, avocado, oily fish, your salmon, but they're very easy to overeat because they're energy dense. So I'll often see clients having nuts and avocado and olive oil all in one salad. So, you know, we need one of those kind of, um, good fats per meal. You want oily fish at least two, three, four times each week, sardines, salmon, mackerel, tuna's not overly high because they take the fat out and put it into omega three capsules. So if you like salmon, that's one of the richest sources, even fish in general, we need a lot more of that. 
Um, we need a lot. What else do we need? Plenty of dietary fiber, so whole grains. Because if you think about the carbohydrates we find away from the home, sushi, noodles, um, stir-fry dishes, big slices of Turkish bread, wraps, it's all white carbohydrate. So we all need a lot more whole grain. We need whole grain bread and cereal um, at, each, at each of the meals. So whole grain crackers and really seeking out brown rice if you're including rice and make a concerted effort to do that, particularly if you're eating away from the home. And then we need a lot of calcium. And that's a tricky one. Andrea, because a lot of people are going towards plant-based milks and that's a personal preference, you know, almond, oat milk, but some of them aren't fortified, particularly at coffee shops, because women need three, four serves of, of calcium each day, which is not insignificant. You know, that's a lot of milk, cheese, yogurt, particularly if you don't eat them. So really being smart with kind of superfoods, like, you know, there's a calcium enriched tuna or making sure that if you're choosing soy or oat milk, that it's got calcium in it and really making a concerted effort to get calcium rich foods multiple times each day to protect our bone health because one of um, the girls that I was speaking to recently said to me, look, I don't actually need to lose weight. Um, I'm in my late 40s, but I want to age positively. And I think that's a massive area because this group of women will potentially live many a long, long life. And the worst thing you do, you want, want brittle bones if you want to hike the Himalayas. So you really want to make sure you're preserving your bone health and making sure that you are ticking the box on dietary calcium. So they're sort of the key things to be focusing on. And again, once you put all those foods in the diet, there's actually not that much room left for any anything else, which is the, <laughs> the good thing. Okay, there's a woman I follow on Instagram who's always talking about more protein at midlife. Is that a thing? Well, we're generally less active and less efficient at burning carbohydrates. So, yes, we do need a higher protein diet. Absolutely. So, you know, starting the day with a couple of eggs or a protein bread or a, a high protein yogurt and making sure there's a protein rich food at snacks. So things like your edamame or nuts or cheese or yogurt and the same at, at lunch and dinner, you know, some lean fish, meat, chicken. And, you know, a very simple mantra I use with my clients is always eat a carbohydrate and protein together at each meal. And then at night, keep the carb a little bit lighter because most of us like a cheeky wine or a dessert. And then you've got a pretty good balance. So protein, yes, and sort of ticking the box at each meal. And that will again tick the box on the omega threes, the iron and the calcium that that we all need. So in your practice, what are the most common self-sabotaging behaviours you see? Well, there's conscious ones and unconscious ones. Um, I think the conscious, well, actually, are they conscious? I think it's more life gets busy and we get distracted because this kind of dietary intervention does require a lot of concentration and energy and time and a lot of us don't have that. It's not for desire, it's more what resources are available. So the things that, that happen with busy women, we substitute food for coffee, particularly in the morning, because that gives us that hit. We're kind of full, so we don't eat. So we sort of snack through the day on a coffee here, a yogurt here, a biscuit here, a bit of sushi here. And really, when you analyze that, there's not really any bulk to it. There's not a lot of nutrition. And that's why they get to three, four o'clock starving. So that's a very, very common pattern. Another one is eating the kids' food. And mindless munching, you know, I had a food diary just come through before and going really well and then eating, you know, the kids snacks after school, hundreds of calories. So that's probably secondary to not eating enough in the day, but, you know, eating and having kids foods in the house. I think one of the, the most common things people do is they buy foods they don't want to eat. So they'll buy junk food, basically processed, you know, treats and keep them at home and then get annoyed when they eat them. You know, the biggest predictor of food consumption is availability. So if you're buying it, you'll eat it. So that's a big shift for people. Um, and that's really hard. As you say, if you've got kids, you know, you open the cupboard and you immediately see their little packs of snacks. 
you right do. in front of you. Oh, 100%. And if people, human beings will eat what they can see, you're not weak, you're human. That's, that's well proven. So, you know, one of the interventions I often use with my clients is I want them to repack the pantry, not so they've got an Instagram worthy pantry, even though we love all looking at those. It's so when you open it, you don't see stuff because you don't just grab and eat. So put the kids snacks in a separate container. So then everyone's not mindless munching on them. And then if you want to put food out to grab, put healthy stuff. So put some cut up veggie sticks in the fridge. So if you open it, you see them. So setting up the environments to be more conducive to eating well is a big part of this behavioral change. And it takes time, you know, it's, it's requires focus. And as I said, a lot of us just don't have that time. So choosing the right time to work on some of these goals is important for women because otherwise it's just adding more and more to their to-do list. And the women I see are already pretty, pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things I thought was interesting was the evidence around anti-inflammatory diets helping reduce hot flushes. There's good evidence for that. There's a couple of trials um, closely aligned to the Mediterranean style of eating. Now, the funny thing with the Mediterranean style of eating is that people like to do the parts of it that they like. So they take out the extra virgin olive oil, the dark chocolate and the red wine and think they're eating Mediterranean, but that's not Mediterranean eating. Mediterranean eating is literally no processed food. So I'm talking no biscuits, no cakes, no pastries, no margarine, no fried food, no fast food. So, you know, most of us are eating that multiple times a week, if not daily. So that's a big shift. It is seven to 10 serves minimum of fresh fruits and vegetables every single day. It's two, three serves of extra virgin olive oil, serve of nuts, it is legumes more frequently than we consume them. You know, I think the only 10% of Australians eat legumes, I think, from memory. You might be off to fresh me with those stats, but, you know, they're eating them three or four times every week. It's not much red meat, maybe once or twice. It's a lot more fish, a lot more chicken, not so much dairy, you know, so it's a real eating pattern. And, yeah, then a little bit of red wine thrown in, but it's not a bottle. It's a, a glass or two. So, yes, it is proven to help reduce that experience, but it – it requires a whole diet overhaul to tick the boxes on all those things and quite a lot of food prep. You know, that would mean you're cooking quite a lot of meals and, and not grabbing food out of the house, which is a big shift for many busy people. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to talk to you about a couple of the hottest food trends that are around at the moment. Um, keto. <laughs> keto. Oh, you know, keto works, but most people aren't doing keto. They think they're doing keto, but keto is a high fat diet. It's 70% um, fat. Now, most people just cut the carb out and throw extra protein in and say it's keto, which isn't the case. You know, keto is also quite low in protein. So, yeah, if, if people do it properly, but in my experience, they don't. And even if they do do it properly, it doesn't last long term um, because they go back to their old patterns. And I find, and this is anecdotal, but I find in insulin resistant women, it doesn't work. So I think a high fat diet makes the insulin resistance worse. What about low carb? Well, again, it's a little bit confusing because, you know, the average person's eating 50 to 60% carb. And then diets like the CSIRO, the zone are about 30, 40%, you know, clinically proven to result in slow sustainable weight loss and certainly a model which I would adhere to. Now that's moderate carb. That's not low. And it's more sustainable because sure, low carb diets have come and gone. You know, everyone's done a shake replacement diet or, you know, tuna and salad for lunch and protein shake. Sure. You're just starving the weight off. And in my experience, that's not sustainable long-term. It's also convenient diets for you, right? Because people say they're doing low-carb, but then they're having a sneaky coffee 
Or, you know, people do the parts of the diet they like. They might do low-carb for two or three days, but then they eat complete rubbish for three or four, and that's loading them back up. So I, it's a bit of a grain of salt, really, because the description people will give to their diet, most of them are letting little extra slip in here and there, and that's not low-carb. Okay. Well, what about um, gluten-free? How many people are really sensitive to, to gluten? Do you well, think that's become a bit of a fad or possibly, but I don't see it as my job to tell people if they feel better or not on it. If people feel better on it or want to have gluten free, that's not my call. What I will say is there are some people with gene mutations who don't metabolize synthetic um, folate well. Now all of our wheat based products are synthesized with synthetic folate to prevent neural tube defects, which means if you're not processing that, it's actually not very healthy for you. Mm. So I think more as we understand individual differences in diets and genetic differences and some of these gene mutations. So for that group, for example, gluten free is suggested. They will feel better on it. So, you know, I think that, on, and for some thyroid conditions, you know, people will be better with gluten free. So, you know, I think the good thing is if your preference or requirement is to eat gluten-free, there are really nutritious products available that we can model the diets with, whereas 20 years ago it was pretty tough. In its purest form, a gluten-free diet can be incredibly nutritious. You know, if you're only eating vegetables, legumes, unprocessed foods, you will feel better, you know, because it's an unprocessed diet as long as you're not just cutting out carbs for the sake of it. But if you're on a gluten-free diet and still eating heaps of processed gluten-free product like refined protein bars and cakes, you know, it's not a healthier diet. You have people who will be like, I've got a sensitive tummy and I need gluten-free and then you'll go to a restaurant and then there's something not gluten-free and they'll think I'll have that because it looks good. And all of a sudden it's convenient diet sensitivities for you, isn't it? So there's a little bit of that that goes on, absolutely. But there's also certainly people who do genuinely feel better on those products because they're less processed and that's fine. Tell me what you think about intermittent fasting. Um, I think it's complicated. I, <laughs> so is the definition. Perhaps we can talk a little bit about what, what it is for people. Yeah. Um, you know, there is evidence to show that significantly reducing calorie intake at times is metabolically beneficial. We've known that for many years, that if people consume 25% fewer calories, they live, they will live longer. The cell is healthier because we basically overeat and flood it all the time um, and don't give it a break from eating. So uh, the 5 and 2, which was some of the original study, has got good evidence to show that it reduces inflammation in the body and can result in some weight loss. Weight loss is secondary. You know? So that that is on two days of the week, you're eating how many Five, calories? About 500 calories, so 600 for men. So that looks like, say, a, a small coffee in the morning, a green salad with tuna for lunch, and a maybe a one-egg omelette for dinner or stir-fried veggies. So very light. There's an art to doing it that you can do it with a lot more food, but, you know, 500 calories is not a lot. Now, in my experience, it works well for people who are relatively inactive. So I'll use it sometimes with lawyers or people who aren't overly interested in food. And certainly it can be helpful to get people off a weight loss plateau if they can do it. Now, it's severe restriction. A lot of people don't cope with that. I certainly don't recommend it for my busy women, my hungry women, absolutely not, anyone who's got a history of dieting or disordered eating. But it does have evidence and for the right person can work. So, for example, I've got a client at the moment, she's lost 20 kilos, but she's on a bit of a plateau. And so she does it twice a week because she's got a very sedentary job and she likes it. And she's slowly again losing about half a week. So it's working for her. Now, the other versions, like 16-8, is is a little bit of a convenient diet for you. That's not what the original research was based on. And if you condense your meals down to an eight-hour period, you'll eat less. So in my clinical experience, it works initially for a couple of kilos, 
but it's not, doesn't work long term for weight loss. And what it does do again in my experience is push people's food intake back to the second half of the day. So they fast all morning, they're not hungry and overeat all night and then they don't wake up hungry. So if you wanted to do it, my advice would be you better to get up early, eat, eat your main meals before four in the afternoon and then do the 16 hour fast. But that doesn't work for most people. And hence, again, I wouldn't be always suggesting it. We'll be right back after this. Okay, we're back. If we're thinking about making a change to our diet, where do we start? What's the one thing you'd suggest people do today to start heading in the right direction? I'm not even, you're not going to be surprised when I say this. Just eat more vegetables. <laughs> Just add two to three cups of salad or vegetables to lunch and dinner. It's a lot. It's like not just a sandwich with a bit of salad. It's a whole salad or a whole soup as well. When you have a snack, it's having like a capsicum or a cucumber or carrot with it. And then it's two to three cups at dinner. It's a lot. If you do that, you'll feel better, you'll get more fibre, you'll eat less calories, your skin will be better, you'll go to the bathroom more regularly, you'll clear out the toxins, your skin will be clearer, you'll lose weight, you'll feel much better. Easy. One of the things that I think a lot of people suffer from, I know I do, is um, a lack of food imagination. So I can I, I can think about that sounds good in the abstract, but come lunchtime, where do I start? What am I putting on a plate that's going to taste delicious and not just look like you know, the veggie aisle of the supermarket. Yeah. And that's why we have Instagram <laughs> for food inspiration, I think, and that gives um, good evidence. You know, people are overwhelmed with stuff, you know, and they don't have the capacity to think of it. There's so much amazing content. There's amazing content on the Healthy Food Guide, on prevention. Like there's hundreds of beautiful recipes that are nutritionally balanced. So I would encourage people to seek that out or buy yourself a new cookbook and look for inspiration. But how I would put it together practically, so – two, three cups of veggies or salad. You want a bit of carbohydrate. So you want potato or sweet potato or whole grain crackers or a wrap. And then you want a decent amount of protein. So you want some eggs or chicken or or tuna. So off the top of my head, things, you know, a stuffed potato, a couple of egg omelet with a slice of toast, use the new protein breads and top them and have a side of soup with it. Use the amazing salads that are pre-made at supermarkets for four or five bucks add your protein to it with, you know, I love to throw those fava beans in that are flavoured for some crunch. So, you know, certainly I could give you a hundred examples, but for people listening, if you're looking for inspiration, do yourself a tray of roasted veggies and serve them with some goat's cheese each week or a ratatouille or a great soup. So, you know, I think a little bit of newness and excitement can make a massive difference. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, For those who are time poor, I keep seeing stories about some shonky behaviour by food manufacturers. How can we navigate the food aisles? I think oh, don't go down them. Order online. I I think if we're talking in the purest form, it's not great stuff happens in the middle aisles, you know what I mean? So I think shopping online means that you're making choices away from marketing and what you're seeing to what you actually need for recipes. So, you know, start with the fruit and veggie section and then add some key um, frozen foods in, look what proteins you've got and then say, right, well, I might need a little bit of um, sauce for this or so you're actually only picking up a few items through there. I think foods that have minimal ingredients, small ingredient lists are, are a sign that it's better. The health star rating, yeah, but there's some, you know, abnormalities in that one. What's the word? Inconsistencies in that that make it confusing. I don't usually use it too much. Um, but I, I think, yeah, that's probably the easiest, a quick scan of ingredient lists. And if you see a really long list, it's probably not the best food. Like if I'm thinking my own shop, 
when I can, I get to the fresh food markets and get my stuff there. It's cheaper, better deals. You buy a lot more. I buy in bulk. I don't have to then go to the supermarket 12 times and spend a hundred bucks each time, which is what happens. I always have some staples from the frozen section. So things like frozen fish, um, dumplings are great. Um, edamame beans, frozen veggies, frozen berries. So you've always got backup quick and easy meals. It may also be for a couple of frozen meals for busy people. Then I'll perhaps buy some snacks. So if we're thinking what's a healthy snack, maybe some nut bars, maybe some roasted broad beans, some dairy, some yogurt, some milk, some cheese, crackers, whole grain crackers, whole grain bread. What else do you need? Not that much. So you might need a sauce or two. Maybe you need some teriyaki or some soy sauce. You've got oil as a staple. You actually don't need that much else from the middle section, you know, unless you're making a cake, you need baking stuff, or you might be doing a rice meal, tuna, salmon. Keep it simple, you know, because this, like we've described, there's so much stimulation in life. We get confused and, and distracted. If you just keep things simple and even going through the pantry, what you've got, you'll probably find you don't need to shop so much. Susie, I know you've got two hungry six-year-old boys. What does your pantry look like? Um, well, I've just got a new house actually, and so I've done my pantry pretty beautifully. Everything is, as I said, packed away, but I'm no purist with my boys. Um, I've always encouraged them to eat what we would describe as junk because I don't want kids who are obsessed with food and stealing food. So I want them to be able to go to the cupboard and if they want a cookie, great. In, in the right, at the right time, but they just as, as likely to off buy, have a carrot or a cucumber or, you know, because of that, I've tried to not make it emotional. But, and because it's available, they see that in your pantry and yeah, reach as much. But there's also, they know there's time of day to have things. So for example, when I pack the lunchbox, there's a large proportion of fresh food and, and dairy, and there's always a treat. There's always a biscuit or something in there. So they look forward to that. And then after school, they know that they'll have tomatoes or one of them likes tomatoes, one likes um, carrot. I'll usually take them like something like breadsticks or some baked bagels or um, I don't use a lot of packaged snacks. I leave one for school. Um, but it, it looks very simple. I don't have a lot of food because I think we overbuy and when we buy too much, we eat it. So I don't over cater, but I've always got, you know, a packet of biscuits there and they'll have that for the week. And I've got the school snacks in a container. So like I talk about really, but my food is very simple. I don't spend hours on recipes. My meals would be five or 10 minutes. It's usually frozen veggies with a bit of soy sauce. My kids just will have plain and fish, meat or chicken because I'm busy as well. And I just keep it simple. And I think that's actually probably quite a good mantra for busy people. We think, and I spoke to a mum yesterday, she was like, the kids don't eat anything. I said, they eat at daycare. They're probably not hungry. Give them a sandwich. She was like, oh, we, we, we always have these high expectations of ourselves and nutrition and food is simple. Protein, loads of veggies, make it taste good. You don't need to be buying a whole lot of stuff. It just makes it confusing. Susie, you've given us plenty to chew on. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not rate and leave a review? For more great information about living your best life, don't forget to pick up a copy of Prevention Magazine. I'm Andrea Duval, and I'll see you next time.